will always appreciate the opportunity to do some teaching and preaching. Um, many of us were there last night to see uh, Margie and Brandon get married. It was a really good occasion. There was one guy that went to an office Christmas party or something, or, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and of course, uh, keep uh, Kenzie and Eli in your prayers as they're getting ready for their. So, so it's like, you know, so, so she has in five days, she has to take finals, and then she takes the final examination on the end of the month. Actually, an exam that just keeps going and going and going. I think I've been in my final exam for almost 40 years now. And uh, so, but anyway, it's a blessing. And I just, I love, I love weddings. I've always thought, you know, that was neat. It's, um, as the pastor rightly pointed out last night at the wedding, he said there's two things that, that God did. He, he instituted marriage and he instituted the church. And so, and really, the two are so intertwined, it's hard to differentiate those two. Well, when Brother Aaron asked me to teach this morning, he said, and I asked him, was there a specific topic that he wanted me to preach on? And he said, well, probably something to do with Christmas. I don't know, is there something happening in a couple of weeks coming up? And uh, so I thought, well, maybe I'll do something out of Luke 2. And I heard, no, no, Brother Aaron is preaching on Luke 2 this morning. Then I thought, well, maybe I'll do Luke 5. Oh, no, that's Brother Chad. He's doing, he's doing Luke 5 tonight. So last Sunday, we had a chance to go to a couple churches. One was in Nixa, Missouri, just south of Springfield. And the other one was in Cassville, Missouri. And there, uh, Brother Don Vesey at Bible Baptist Church preached on this message. So I stole it from him. And uh, so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. I'll read the scriptures, we'll pray, and then we'll get right into it. So it's Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came to his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. And he arose and departed to his house, but when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. Dear Lord, I pray that we'd have a good lesson this morning, Lord, that as we're approaching and celebrating the birth of your birth of the Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the one that the Jews looked for and, and unfortunately are still looking for because they don't have the truth. We pray, Lord, that we would take advantage of this season to, to not get carried away with the distractions, the presents and gifts and all that other stuff, but to remember the real purpose of, of Christmas and that's that Jesus Christ came so that we could live. In thy name we pray. Amen. So anyway, the name of the, so what we're going to do, we're going to make it easy since I know uh, we've got a couple of students here. We have a professor. I'm always amazed. I always thought students truly enjoyed the Christmas break. 
the students really enjoyed getting over. But I've come to realize that it's the teachers who are really the ones <laughs> that really enjoy getting out and not having to do it anymore. So we're going we're gonna to make this easy today. We're going to act like this is, this is a class, and we're going to, and the title of the message, you know, I always am told you have to get the title out early. The title of the message is The Heart of Christmas. And so in case any of you fall asleep during my rambling and rambling and grumbling and everything else, let me give you the, I'll give you the summary right now. What is the heart of Christmas? It's the forgiveness of sins. Because we needed someone to come and heal our sins. And so we're going to use that story about healing the paralyzed man. And we're going to talk about healing. But in reality, what we're really talking about is we're talking about forgiveness. Because we needed forgiveness, and only the Son of God could forgive our sins. And that's why he had to come. He had to be born as a baby. And, of course, what's the other thing they always say? Christmas points to what? Christmas points to Easter, when Jesus died on the cross for us. So, basically, we're in a two-part theory. We're, we're, we're celebrating his birth, and then we're going to celebrate his dying on the cross, because that's what gave us forgiveness of our sins. So anyway, let's, let's look here. Let's, so the first point, let's just do an introduction on the first point. Christ had the power to forgive sin. Do we, do we accept that? We believe that Christ had the power to forgive sin. And as such, once you and I have received the gospel of Jesus Christ, then what is our duty? Our duty is to what? To seek and to save the lost. Just as once we were lost, someone shared the gospel with us, and usually it, it wasn't the first time, right, Brother Sean? That you, you didn't accept them the first time, right? Second time, third time, sometimes many times. And it just proves that God is God of second chances. God really wants. But then when we think about it, when you're forgiving people, when you are dealing with them, and it's in some way you could say that we're actually healing people of their sin. Because remember, when we were born, we were born in the flesh. Unregenerate, where, where do we deserve to go? We deserve to go to hell. So in a sense, we had an illness. We, we had, if anything at all, we had an emptiness in our heart. We needed something to fill that void, and that void is Jesus Christ. Upon accepting the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit comes inside of us, and now we are now made complete. Now, unfortunately... It's up to Paul Place whether the door to the flesh stays open or stays closed. And so I still struggle with sin. But the reality is, is that Jesus heals people of their sin. And that's our greatest need. Is, to be, is that we all need to be forgiven by the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. So by imputation, Brother Chad, have you taken your test yet? So here we go. By imputation, remember this. He took our sin upon him and placed it upon his account. And that's why at the, at, the, uh, at the crucifixion, when God turned his back on his son, Jesus Christ, because all that sin that, that he took upon his shoulders, upon his account, was your sin, my sin, past, present, and future. He took the sins of all his, of his creation. So this is why Jesus had to be born. And I said, Christmas points to Easter. So they're, they're, in, they're intricately <laughs> tied together. Point number two. 
as we look at verses, as we look at verse number two. And behold, they brought in a man sick of palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their face, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. So the second point is this. Is all sickness due to sin? There are, there are groups, some of which are some of the Pentecostal variety, who believe that if you, are, if you have uh, a disease or if you have a medical condition, it's because you do not have enough faith. Have you ever heard of that? You have, haven't you? Sean, you've heard of that? Connor, you've heard of that? I've actually had people... I think one time someone told Dee that if she'd had enough faith, she wouldn't be dealing with what she was doing. Dee, Dee has uh, an autoimmune disease, speculated called Sogren syndrome. She's got horrible arthritis. She's got a terminal illness in the sense that she's married to me. But besides that, she's got a lot of things. And so one lady actually, probably not trying to be mean-spirited, told her that if she just had enough faith, she went. And, of course, that's a horrible thing to do to somebody, to somehow think that it's because of your lack of faith or because maybe you weren't even saved. That's just another tool of Satan the devil, that he's coming at you, trying to put, a, trying to put something between you and God, trying to drive a wedge between you and God. So let's, uh, let's look at John chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. Let's look at an example of there of a healing. And see how God's word speaks to us and how we can use God's words as examples to help us as we deal with this. And this one is, in verse number one, it says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth and his disciples. So here, the very people that are with Jesus, the disciples, look what they say. Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So they're that was commonly accepted. That man was born blind. There must have been something his parents did. It must have been something he did. And yet Jesus points out the real reason. Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. It was an ability, it was an example of where Jesus was able to show that he was the son of God by healing the blind. It wasn't because of of sin that caused that. It was because of that. He wanted to be able to show that. To show it. And then another thing is, let's look at, as we're turning to Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Have you noticed how often Jesus healed on the Sabbath? And remember, what were you supposed to do on the Sabbath? You weren't supposed to do any work, Right? That was the law. That was the law of Moses. That was the law of the, the Sadducees, the Pharisees. And, the, and, and it just seemed like he did that just to poke at them, didn't he? Uh, looking at verses number 3, uh, Mark 3, chapter 1 through 5, it says, And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him. And they're looking, we're going to get Jesus, aren't we? And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, stand forth. And then he said unto them, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes that are watching him, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? 
but they held their peace. Because again, what they were motivated was, was not the fact of the miracle of healing the man. They were looking for something to get Jesus with. Sometimes people are jealous of each other. Get jealous of one another. Maybe at work, maybe at, uh, maybe, uh, maybe a neighbor or something will be jealous of you. Sometimes it happens in churches. You know, this is the... I haven't, I haven't taught adult Sunday school in, gosh, maybe only twice this year. Chad's got to do it three or four times. So why, you know, I, I, I don't like that. I want to be, be the one speaking. But no, that's not the point. The point is, is that when you have that attitude, you're looking at it out of a sense of selfishness, not out of a sense of serving others. And so these, these scribes, Pharisees, and Sadducees, they're at the top of the heap. You know, they saw Jesus as a threat coming to him, as possibly taking their power away. Because, you know, after all, if, if, he, if, if Jesus caused enough an uproar, then the Romans might come and just drive them out and take away their power. So they're not even, they're not even, they're, they're completely missing missing. Their miracle. Look in verse 5. And when he had looked around about them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto him, Stretch forth thine hand, and beast. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored, whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth, and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. So again, miss the miracle completely. Just look at it as an opportunity to get Jesus. And ultimately, that's how he, they got Jesus, was because of his unselfishness, because of his, his willingness to heal people. And here, the, and here they are. It's like they've missed the whole point, just like sometimes we miss the whole point too. Now, let's look at the third example of healing. Why couldn't the disciples always heal? Let's look at Matthew 17. For Matthew 17, 14 through 23. You would think that the disciples should be. I mean, weren't they the closest to Jesus? Shouldn't they have had the ability to perhaps do it? But yet we see even the disciples' unbelief sometimes caused them to have trouble in healing. And and verse 14, and when they had come to this multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither, hither to me. You see, you, see, you see there Jesus' frustration. My, don't we serve a patient God? We talk about perseverance. You know, and sometimes people will use that and say that, you know, you have to, the only way that you'll know for sure that you're really saved, this is a... Uh, and this is a uh, Calvinistic 
a Calvinistic uh, position that the only way that you know truly that you can save is that you have to endure to the end. You know, you have to keep faithful to the end. I'm so thankful my Lord has never used that to judge me because I have not been faithful to the end. I go up, I go down, I do good, I do bad. I'm all over the board. But the bottom of the line is, and Jesus shows how patient, how merciful and by and his grace that he allows us to get. And look at number 18, verse 18. And Jesus rebuked the devil and he parted out of him. The child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples of Jesus apart and said, Why could we not, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now think about that. Do you really think that could happen? John, can I really, can I really do that? Well, he's obviously trying to give you an example to show you what he was capable of and what we could be capable of if we truly sold out our hearts to Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul is considered probably the finest example of a man who apparently gave most all of his heart to Jesus Christ. And yet, what did Paul, Paul self-diagnose himself as? The chiefest of sinners. And that showed, a, that showed a recognition of who and what he was. And, that, and second of all, it showed that whatever he was, it was only because of Jesus Christ. It's only because of Jesus Christ's righteousness that we can put on a robe of pure white and take off our robe of, of uh, filth, of sin. Verse 21, Howbeit this kind goeth not out by prayer and fasting but by prayer and fasting. So, prayer and fasting. Those aren't very popular things. I think a lot of us do pray, but how many of us have ever really done fasting or something like that? And yet fasting is a really interesting thing. If you're really struggling with an issue that you're trying to get solved, sometimes fasting is a way that you can do that. You can get close to God on that. Um, so we talked, about, we talked about three types of sickness due to sin. Can you heal on the Sabbath? Why couldn't the disciples always heal? And did Jesus come to heal only the Jews? Let's look at Mark chapter 7, 24 through 30. It's probably one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And it's probably as clear an indicator that, that Jesus did not come just for the Jews, but he came for all of his creation, all of mankind did he come from. Verse 24, From thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house that would have no man know it, but he could not be, but he could not be hid. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. And so doing what he's basically saying, I came here for the Jews, I've not come here for the Greeks. 
at least at this point. He's making that point. And what does she answer? We talk about faith. And she answered and said unto him, Yea, yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. So Jesus came to heal all of us. Again, what is the heart of Christmas? The heart of Christmas is the forgiveness of sins. And it's our responsibility to, to forgive the sins of those around us that hurt us. Those around us that perhaps, and if I'm jealous of Connor, or if I'm jealous of Brother Miguel, then I need to come here and I need to lay that upon and ask for forgiveness. Because that's what our Lord Jesus Christ did. Let's go back to our, uh, let's go back to our passage in Matthew. Let's look at our third point of the, of the uh, lesson this morning. Verses 3 and 4. Jesus reads the minds of the scribes. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And the reason why they said he was blasphemeth, because they were saying that in essence, Jesus was making himself equal to God. Okay. And so that was something that they thought they could get him on because, you know, only God can heal. And yet, what is this prophet doing that could heal? I mean, Elijah healed, right? Elisha healed. Paul healed later on. Peter healed. But only God, but only God could heal all people at all times. So you say, this man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, wherefore think you evil in your hearts? He could actually read their minds. Now, sort of a, a funny little story, a similarity would be, how many times as kids did you feel like your parents could read your minds? Right? They knew exactly what you were doing. Well, the reason why they knew exactly what you were doing is because when they were kids, they did the same thing themselves. But, you know, it is amazing how parents can, can just, you know. And then, of course, I have an aunt. Her name is Joyce. Wonderful lady, Christian lady. And uh, man, if she ever gives you the look, your blood would freeze in your body if you get the look. And you just don't, because <laughs> you know you're about to, you're about to die. And, uh, and so, but Jesus perceived the thoughts of men. He looked into the hearts of those scribes and knew exactly what they were saying, exactly what they were thinking. And he, he shows it to them that he is God and he's able to read the hearts of men. He is able to perceive our thoughts. Even right now, God is, is you know, Jesus is looking. You know, he can see my hearts, my thoughts. He can see your thoughts. And, uh, man, there's times I feel really ashamed because sometimes my thoughts are not what, are not what I should be thinking. And then our last point. Jesus can forgive sins. Let's look at verses 5 through 6. For whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. Is it easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk? He did it to show that the miracle of healing but more importantly, 
He did it to show that he could forgive sins, that he could heal sins, and that that is why he came to this earth. He came to this earth to set an example for the life that you and I should live. He set a, he set a biblical, a spiritual example. And in, so, and in so doing, he showed us that we can't make it on our good works. That we need a different plan. The law of Moses that had been set aside and given to Moses. And then what did man do to the law of Moses? Remember what man did? A lot of man-made additions that was made by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. And in so doing, who could keep all of the law? Well, only the Sadducees and the scribes and the Pharisees. Nobody else could keep the whole law. And in so doing, because of that, then they felt like they could be above us. But what, but what is Jesus doing? Jesus is saying, no, we're not to be above. We're to be equal. Okay. And so... Their good works of the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the scribes, and our good works, it's not going to get us saved, is it? We needed Jesus to forgive our sins by dying on the cross, thus enabling us to accept the blood of sacri- to accept his shed blood at the sacrifice. So let's look here. Again, this is for Chad. This is on the test. Chad, so pay attention. What is the biblical definition of conversion? We are to be saved through conversion inwardly. What does that mean? So the theological definition is the grace-enabled act of man, okay, in salvation, including what? A voluntary change of mind and heart. So we voluntarily accept the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in so doing, that includes what? A turning from sin to who? Christ, right? So, there, so, so there, can be no, there can be no salvation without repentance. We have to have repentance, and we have to have forgiveness. And then we also have to have faith. So repentance is what? Repentance is the response of the believing sinner's heart when convicted by the spirit of his guilt and lostness before God. When we finally listened on the 5th, 6th, 10th, 30th, how many times it was before we finally accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ. We came, to our, we came to that place in our life where we realized that we were lost and that we needed a Savior. And so the spirit of his guilt and lostness before God, causing him to have a grace enabled, grace enabled by who? By Jesus, grace enabled, voluntary, and sincere change of mind and heart leading to a turn from his sin to Christ. And faith, which is turning to, the definition is, saving faith is a response to the believing sinner's heart when confronted by the Spirit with the person of Christ and the truth of the gospel. (coughs) Causing him to have a voluntary and sincere change of mind and heart leading to a turn from his sin of unbelief to faith in Christ. Faith is the completion of conversion. Repentance is a turning from sin, while faith is a turning to Christ. And each and every one of us that is saved did that. So that's a lot of words to say what? That we accepted the the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And now, 
because we have the shed grace of Jesus Christ, what is our, what are, what are we supposed to do? Again, we're supposed to seek to, and save the lost. That's what we're supposed to do. So in the story tonight, the story we talked about, if we can focus on the paralyzed man, we can talk about the faith of the four men that took him to Jesus. And of course, what did they have to do? They had to get up on the roof, they had to tear the roof apart, and then they had to, so they really did want his, their friend to be healed. Do you think that the, the four men that took him to be healed, do you think they were thinking of healing, just healing, or were they thinking of salvation? What do you think? They probably were just thinking about healing, right? Because they probably were just thinking in their own power, in their own ability, and it was there in their own power and their ability that they were able to take him up to that rooftop, take him down through the, through the roof and to see their friend saved. But then more importantly, in the process of, of healing the man, Jesus pointed out the greater, greater part of the miracle, which was the forgiveness of sins. And how the, and how the leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees missed the whole point because they wanted to try to use something against Jesus Christ. And in so doing, they, they blew it. They just they didn't they get anything of it. And the, his ability to read their hearts, to be able to see their thoughts, read their hearts, showed to them that, they, that he was God. I mean, don't, why, why couldn't they figure it out? What do you think, Connor? Why couldn't they figure it out? How many times did he do that? But because of their stubbornness, maybe, because of their unbelief, because of their, their concern at losing their position of power, they never could do that. There's a similar example in, in, the, in the Bible about people that saw miracles and did not respond. What about the people that came out of Egypt, Brother Denny? Did they not see 10 plagues against Egypt when Egypt was the dominant power of the day, right? Each of those 10 plagues was against a certain Egyptian um, god, right? to show that those gods really weren't gods. They were just man-made gods. And then when they came out of Egypt, they were up there against that Red Sea. No place to go. And yet the Red Sea was parted. And then they got to the, they got to Canish Barnea. They sent the 12 spies out. And how many spies said, let's go in and take it? Two out of 12, right? Obviously, if we had been there, Brother Joshua, we'd have believed, right? Don't you think? Or, we, or would we have been one of the people that marched along for 40 years as everyone died off except for Caleb and Joshua? And that's why, we're not, that's why it can't be good works. That's why it can't be in Paul's own power. That's why it takes God it takes the very Son of God to lead us. And it takes the gospel for us to accept. And in so doing, it is our responsibility to seek to save that which is lost. That's all I have today. You got out early. So that's my Christmas present to you. And so, uh, so that's to make up for all the times that Brother Aaron goes long. <laughs> so.
But I know he won't go long today. God bless you. Brother Sean, would you please close us in prayer this morning?